As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, including a suite of supplements that support mood and sleep, L-tryptophan, 5-HTP, GABA, and L-theanine. This collection provides essential amino acids and a serotonin precursor that support relaxation, restful sleep, and the regulation of mood and sleep-wake cycles. And they're available in various potencies tailored to your specific needs. For more information and to order, just go to drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for life balance is an A-rated GMP manufacturer of premium dietary supplements created for healthcare practitioners. Their formulations are based on the latest advances in nutritional science. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, which is actually one of my favorite times of the week because uh, we get to answer your questions. We never know what's in the inbox, but it is always Mm -hmm. generating, stimulating discussions. With me today is Layla Mutin. Layla is our resident nutritionist, if you don't already know. And together we do Q&A with Layla every week. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. And we have quite a few questions in the mailbag. But uh, before we get to questions, just wanted to provide you with a little bit of a case study, which is kind of illustrative of what I think are some over-the-top trends in medicine and how sometimes uh, a second opinion from uh, an integrative physician like myself uh, can sometimes make a difference for patients' care. Yes. So uh, I'll present the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can uh, embellish it. Eighty-three-year-old mm-hmm. uh, woman comes to see me, mm-hmm. uh, and she's ostensibly quite healthy. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. She uh, brings along a blood test, uh, which looks good in all respects. Yeah. Uh, with the exception that I note that her cholesterol is a little high. Not alarmingly high, in my opinion. Her cholesterol is 276. Okay. And her LDL cholesterol, the so-called bad cholesterol, is in the 170s. Yeah. uh, Which is considered high. Uh, But her HDL cholesterol on one test is 90. Yes. And her triglycerides are low. Yeah. And then uh, she's... Under 100, like in the 70s, her triglycerides. Yeah, which is a good sign metabolically. Her hemoglobin A1C is excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has normal blood pressure. And she walks in, and she's 83, mm-hmm. but she's a youthful 83. Yes. And she's also very cognitively intact. Sharp as a tack. Uh, sharp as a tack. Yeah. Uh, very engaged, uh, you know, socially, and feels good. Mm-hmm. Uh, her exercise, maybe she could be doing a little more resistance exercise, but she says she walks a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's sort of a typical, uh, you know, uh, Upper East Side New Yorker. Uh, who has a lot of interests mm-hmm. and is very engaged. Yeah. Uh, however, she reports that on a recent visit to a cardiologist, she's been followed for mitral valve prolapse. And indeed, mm-hmm. when I did a, a heart check on her, she has a heart murmur. Mitral valve prolapse can be inconsequential. You can go to your grave at 112 with it, 
or sometimes it needs to be uh, addressed with a now non-invasive uh, treatment to fix the valve. It can be fixed uh, through uh, a catheter or something mm -hmm. called uh, uh, a, a Tavers technique, which is inserting a catheter through the wrist or the groin. And uh, actually Mick Jagger underwent that procedure to yeah. revise his and he uh, only valve. took off touring for a year. Or right, and now he's, he's 80, 80 and he's touring. He's 80 and he's jump. jumping. And he's, I think he just had some more kids or something. whatever. <laughs> yes, young kids. <laughs> so it didn't really put a crimp in his style. Uh, so anyway, so she um, uh, reports that on a recent visit to her cardiologist, the cardiologist, quote, read her the riot act yeah. about being on a cholesterol-lowering medication. Mm -hmm. uh, she explained it as she's tired of being yelled at. Yes. Yes. By the doctor. Right. Because she does have a high cholesterol. But yeah. she's... Okay. So the other piece of information that's germane to this is that she underwent a EBT heart scan or a uh, CT... Mm -hmm. uh, For uh, calcium scoring. Calcium scoring test, CAC it's sometimes referred to, mm -hmm. where she has a score of 13.8, mm. uh, which indicates that she has some plaque. Yeah. But... Putting that into context, that's probably better than about 95% or 98% of women her age. Yeah. Uh, so She's she, 83. She has very, just very beginnings of some very small traces of plaque. By no means does that constitute blockage. Mm -hmm. Her cardiologist told her that she needed to be on a statin because she was at risk of having a, piece, a chunk of plaque break off, which is a pretty graphic way of telling you that you, unless you do this, you're going to die. Great scare tactic. Great scare tactic, right? Yeah. So she comes to me, and she's been listening to me ever since I was on, you know, uh, flagship radio station here in New York City, uh, which has got to be like, you know, 30 plus years yeah. ago. And so she values my opinion in these matters. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I told her first is... You know, you're not in the office of a doctor who tells patients that they should never be on statins. So you can rely on me for an objective opinion mm -hmm. because I recognize the value of statins in some circumstances. Sure. And uh, let's say you came in and for some reason you decided at the age of 35 or 40 to get this test mm -hmm. uh, because perhaps you had a terrible family history. Everybody in your family was dropping dead of a heart attack at a young age and you right. had this test. Uh, and we saw the same score. We saw 13.8, which is a very low score. Very. But for a 35-year-old female, mm. it's unusual to begin to develop plaque at that age. Yes. And I would say, well, let's see, you hopefully will live another 60 years or so, maybe mm -hmm. 70. You know, you want to be a centenarian, you're 35 or 40. Yeah. Um, during those ensuing decades with that high cholesterol, there is a chance, albeit small, because you do have a fairly high level of protective HDL, and you have other metabolic factors in your favor, that you could develop cardiovascular disease. So the case could be made yeah. that you are a candidate for uh, protection against your high lipids. And that's for the 30-something-year-old. Right, yep. right. Uh, on the other hand, you're 83. Mm. So uh, generously speaking, you only have to make it another quarter century, right? You know, yeah. You know, like, let's go That'd for be it. Great. Yeah. Right? It is highly unlikely that mm -hmm. with a score of 13, that even in 10 or 15 or 20 years, that you would accumulate a sufficiently high score to develop a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, 
And so uh, the, the point being is that the benefits of the statin, which are negligible, yeah. would outweigh the risks, which are, I still think statins are not as bad as they're chalked up yeah. to be, but there are considerable risks associated with statins. Yes. There can be cognitive problems. There can be aches and pains, reduced uh, you know, ability to walk and move, right. balance problems. Right. There especially could be increased risk of diabetes, especially in women. Especially in women, as thank you. Yes. Found in statins. Yes. Yeah. Considerably uh, higher. Mm -hmm. And so the. Uh, now, I said if you had a score of like instead of 13, but 1300, I'd say even though you're older, yeah. you should get. But they've also done studies on what's called primary prevention versus secondary prevention. Secondary prevention means shutting the barn door after the horse gets out. You've had a heart attack. You've had a stent. You've had a bypass. You've had a stroke. Yes. It is... You've already had an event. ...demonstrably beneficial to be in a statin to prevent a subsequent event. That Studies confirm that. Yeah. It virtually... Take the statin. At virtually any age. Yeah. Then there's primary prevention. Primary prevention works pretty well for men who have risk factors who are middle-aged. Yeah. Still, there is what's called an NNT, number needed to treat. And you might need to treat 50 men to save one man from a MACE, yes. Major Adverse Cardiovascular Event. Yeah. Okay? That's what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent MACEs. Mm -hmm. But still, 49 would take it unnecessarily. But hey, you know, that's a value because you're going to save one guy. Mm. But for... Uh, when you look at studies of primary prevention in women who have high cholesterol at 70 or 75 or 80, the results are not that no. that, that strong. Yeah. Uh, they're negligible. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to treat maybe 500 women to prevent one yeah. event. So 499 women would take it unnecessarily. Yeah. So I said, I'm really quoting the science and the studies, and I try to keep up with this. Yes. that you do not need to be on a statin. So she goes, well, how can I lower my LDL? And I go, you don't need to lower your LDL. Yeah. She's on a diet which is fairly high in animal protein, yeah. which is going to cause her to have a little bit of a higher LDL. Yeah. She says that in the past she's had an LDL... Uh, uh, a pattern A big fluffy LDL. Right. She's had that phenotype, uh, LDL phenotype study, which is sometimes referred to as an NMR or a VAPS test. or Yes. You know, uh, LDL fractionation or the particle yeah, size, particle yeah. size test mm -hmm. and she has the benign pattern which is the large fluffy particles yeah so that goes in her favor in terms of reducing risk she doesn't have any other risk factors. she's not diabetic she's not hypertensive yeah uh, she should not take a statin mm -hmm. in my opinion and I said you know it could have gone either way it could have been like yes I'm sorry you know I'm the court of last resort you come to me for, like on appeal like the court of appeals no, you really need to follow your cardiologist's advice. Mm -hmm. Or alternatively, I might say, well, it's six and one, half dozen the other. You know, you could take it, but it's not going to protect you that much. If you didn't take it, I wouldn't, you know, read you the riot, quote, read you yes. the riot act. You know, yeah. sometimes I say that. So, like, you know, the benefit is there, you know, I have to admit, but it's not decisive. You know, you could take, you know, if you want, you could take some bergamot or, you know, take vitamin K and vitamin D. She's a. taking beautiful supplements. She's taking all the right supplements. She's taking all the right supplements. Yep. She's been taking them for decades, number one. Yep. Number two, she brought me a very, very thorough history of all the foods she eats. Yes. That, that pattern A LDL, those big, fluffy, desirable yep. particles, are also a result of the way she eats, which is very, very healthy, whole foods. Yes, they're high in animal protein, but that's what's keeping her alive and keeping her from becoming sarcopenic and osteoporotic well, a, and all those things. That's, these that's other a good point, things. because let's say 
she She's were active. to do what tends to lower LDL, which is yeah. to go on a vegan diet. That'll generally lower LDL. Yeah. But in the in we have to look at the whole picture because that might somewhat reduce her cardiovascular risk, which is already low to begin with. Yeah. But at what expense? At the expense of her muscle, muscle mass, yes. of her strength, her vitality, even... It can cause frailty. Cognitive problems, yes. potentially, because yes. we do see that sometimes when we skimp on neurotransmitter precursors from protein. Yes. Um, you know, B12 deficiency, although she does take her yeah. supplements. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 I said just leave it alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. Absolutely. Also, and you're well aware of this, mm -hmm. there are studies that show epidemiologically, if you look at plot of longevity versus LDL cholesterol or total cholesterol in women over 70, mm -hmm. the higher your LDL, the higher your cholesterol, the less likely you are to die, the more likely you are to have extended lifespan. There you go. Because cholesterol it, is necessary, and it's a sign of a robust metabolism. Yeah. Because it's mostly not from diet; it's mostly made from liver. Yeah. And if you have poor liver function, something's mm -hmm. wrong with your body. You are becoming frail. Yeah. So she yeah. has robust synthesis of cholesterol. Mm -hmm. She does. And just to illustrate the point, because it's hard when you're chronically brainwashed by the doctors out there, and even she, admittedly by her husband, who's been on a statin, but he's got a he has a strong story. family history of stroke. Different story. A very, very different yeah. story. Not her story at all. Yeah. To illustrate this, the importance of cholesterol, I said, you know who has the highest, highest cholesterol ever in the world? Yeah. I told her anorexic young girls. Okay. Anorexic yeah. Yeah. teenagers and 20-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. You know why they have cholesterols in the 380s? It's compensatory. It's trying to save their lives. It's compensatory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she looked at me incredulous because I'm really trying to get her away from cholesterol as a foe right. platform, right. you know, so which can be hard to dispel. Did she tell you about that concoction she takes with like uh, like fresh uh, uh, curcumin? Yes, fresh turmeric, like you know, and she right. yeah. she adds black pepper to it and she puts it in her what? She got this like a quarter cup of cranberry and a little grapefruit and, and some of the pulp. From that, and she, yes, this is what she has. Okay. But she eats beautiful whole food. Right, right. Day in and day out. Yeah. You know, so, and I she mean, has a very good appetite. I, you know, I commended her. I think she's a role yeah. model. I said that, you know, seeing you is a little like gilding the lily, mm -hmm. you know, because you're already a beautiful flower and we don't need to. Yeah. Know. But, you know, she came specifically for your opinion yeah. on, do I need to take this? Step? What I did prompt her was, I think there was a little bit of, um, uh, ostrich-like behavior vis-a-vis -vis bone density, and I wanted her to get a bone density test that she's never had. So mm. I would do that mm -hmm. uh, in an otherwise really good health picture. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Now, going on to questions, we have had three people email a us. of questions. Yes. For uh, about this particular study about niacin. Dr. Hoppen, this is from Jim. This is from Alan. Hope you'll be addressing the latest reports regarding niacin, metabolite 4P1, 4PY, and increased insulin uh, incidence of cardiovascular disease. As I've learned from your many articles, these studies cannot always be relied on and unfortunately elicit knee-jerk reactions. Okay. And they also want to know, besides addressing this, 
that what about in the setting of nicotinamide riboside which after all is a b3 exactly yeah. exactly okay do we have the same okay. concerns okay so uh there's been a flurry of interest in this study so we decided uh, to let it cut the line to your questions and address it okay yes. so uh yeah. for example nbc news reports uh this week high levels of niacin may increase heart risk mm -hmm. cbs reports new study says vitamin b3 added to processed foods uh, can lead to an excess of a certain kind of metabolite, which triggers inflammation. Uh, medical news today, heart disease, can too much vitamin B3 increase risk? Uh, U.S. News and World Report, too much niacin may be bad for the heart, etc., etc., etc. You know, there's a flurry of studies. Yeah. Uh, WebMD, excess vitamin B3 linked to increased risk of heart disease. So, okay, so when I, when I see that kind of stuff, and periodically this comes down the pike, studies like this. I say, first of all, my initial reaction is, because I'm biased, I go, that can't be. Yeah. I can't, you know, I, I did. And then I go, well, you know, let's look at the actual study. Yeah. And let's look at what they're saying, because very few of these quick hit, uh, uh, clickbait headlines mm -hmm. really speak to what the study says. Yeah. And first of all, I will say that the researcher who did this has got a great publicist because it's not that it's not that interesting a study and it's gotten a major major play in the media yeah and that's because he works at the Cleveland Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic oh. has a big PR department to get out news that you can use yes and this isn't quite at the level of news you can use mm -hmm. Uh, and it is by, just for background, it's by a guy named Dr. Stanley Hazen, mm -hmm. who is a brilliant guy. He's an expert on you know, cardiovascular risk. He's also interested in the microbiome. And if you remember, there is something called TMAO. Yes. That is something that uh, is considered a cardiovascular risk factor. Mm -hmm. uh, it was said to be the link that proves that eating red meat is bad for the heart mm -hmm. because when you eat meat, you get carnitine, mm -hmm. and carnitine turns into this harmful substance called trimethylamine oxide, TMAO, mm -hmm. and this is mediated by the microbiome. Some people make more TMAO because they have this wrong kind of bacteria, and other yeah. people seem to be less susceptible to TMAO, and you also get it from choline. Right. Okay. Now, uh, I have ch I've looked at that because I came out like. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I looked at that and I said, yeah, that kind of really doesn't make that much sense because many studies that look at red meat in the diet actually exonerate red meat as a cause of cardiovascular True. disease. And many of the studies include lots of processed meat. Mm -hmm. And by the way, many studies that say, oh, you eat a lot of red meat. Well, most people eat a lot of red meat, also eat a lot of other junk. Right. So there are very few people who, like you and me, we eat red meat, yep. but it's organic, yes. natural. It's not processed. We're uh, not on the pizza, French fries, and red meat diet. Yeah, we're not eating pepperoni pizza. Yeah, you know that we don't get our red meat right. that way, right? Yep. Uh, we, you know, we're not eating slugging down the Big Macs, you know, whatever. Exactly. Uh, yeah. With you know, uh, so anyway, so these studies are problematic. There are also some studies now. Where do you get choline from? You get it from two sources: fish, fish. And eggs. eggs. Egg yolks, yes. And soy. And so, yeah. So there are very few... These are healthy foods. There are very few epidemiologic studies that say that eggs... In fact, many studies exonerate eggs 
as a cause of cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. and they, they contain a ton of choline. I don't think any studies show that soy uh, causes cardiovascular disease. In fact, the, the, the faux meat industry is based on substituting soy yes. for... Yeah. And then there's also, uh, uh, you know, fish, which mm-hmm. epidemiologically, the more fish you eat, the less cardiovascular disease. Exactly. You so it didn't really So make that's sense. how the TMAO thing okay. got okay. debunked. So I yeah. looked at the latest research on TMAO, and yeah. over the years, it's like, shall I test people for TMAO? Does it make sense, or you know, is it just? And the latest on TMAO is that it is not associated with atherosclerosis. Mm-hmm. So people with high TMAO do not have uh, a higher propensity to arterial blockage. Mm-hmm. But there is a little nuance to that, is that if you already have arterial blockage, uh, high TMAO can in- create more plaque instability. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should pay attention to TMAO in people who have pre-existing heart disease. It doesn't cause the heart disease, no. but in the presence of all the other things that lead to cardiovascular disease, such as smoking, such as obesity, such as high right. insulin, such as you know bad lipids, and LP little a, and all these other things, that yep. TMAO may play a role at sort of the end stage, so we would want to maybe address it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not a perfect story. So Stanley Hazen, I mean, I've, I've looked at some of the uh, posts on... Uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, you know, where uh, people are pushing back against this niacin study, and they said Stanley Hazen, the guy who uh, you know made, wanted to make us stop using choline and uh, L-carnitine, yeah. ha- now has trained his sights on niacin. Um, so, okay, so uh, what the study does, and I don't want to go into the weeds too much, is yeah. that it demonstrates that uh, certain metabolites accumulate in people who have higher intake of niacin. Mm-hmm. And those metabolites are associated with inflammation and el- endothelial damage. Mm-hmm. That's what it shows. What it doesn't show, none of the people in the study were really taking supplemental niacin. It wasn't designed to assess the effects of niacin. Right. So, what they are saying is yeah. that fortification in foods like flour and cereal and bread, but it, that's what they're looking but at, it's so, is the it's fortified so, foods. It's so little. And they're junky foods that are fortified. It's, well, that's true, too. Yeah. That's true, too. It's junk food yeah, yeah. that they're fortifying. So that's interesting. Is that You have an interesting interpretation, which is the more you eat of these fortified foods, yeah. the more niacin you get. And it's not the niacin. It's not the niacin. It's a it's marker. It's almost like a, like a dye marker that yeah. indicates you've been eating a lot of fortified foods. Right. Okay, right. so packaged so, processed food. So, I think in order to really make the case that niacin causes cardiovascular disease, you would have to do a study of many years duration, looking at people supplemented with niacin, mm-hmm. or supplemented with NAD yeah. or NMN uh, or niacinamide. And by the way, we have people on niacinamide sometimes for prevention right. of skin cancer. There's some real benefits. Yeah. But here's the interesting part about it is, uh, you know, going back a few years, there's actually an article uh, which is uh, in a journal called um, uh, Mediators of Inflammation. That's the name of a journal, huh? Mediators of Inflammation. That just made me, I can't find the the name of the journal. Hmm. But it it doesn't matter. Um, Niacin inhibits vascular inflammation. Hmm. 
via down-regulating nuclear transcription factor uh, NF-kappa-B signaling pathways. That's a, that's a well-known that's a well-known pathway. pathway of inflammation, the yeah. NF-kappa-B. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what they say here is that um, uh, it, it uh, attenuated oxidative stress in guinea pigs that have been fed a high-fat diet. Uh, these data suggest for the first time the niacin inhibits vascular inflammation in vivo and in vitro. Uh, niacin also modulates plasma lipid by upregulating the expression of factors involved in the process of reverse cholesterol transport. Well, we know that. Okay, so there was... Then there go back to the 1980s, and there was a guy named Kowalski, not Stanley Kowalski, like in uh, Streetcar yeah. Named Desire, oh, okay. you know, uh, <laughs> but Kowalski. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he wrote a book called The Eight Week Cholesterol Cure, and he said, you know, this is when we just started getting obs- oh, obsessed right. with cholesterol. Yes. He says, if you take niacin at high doses, you're going to lower your cholesterol. And indeed, it lowers cholesterol and it raises HDL. So... And it lowers lipoprotein little a, we found out. Well, it also does that. That's really, and that's a more important risk factor. That is a very important risk factor. Yeah. But what ended up happening is people started taking really high doses willy-nilly, and some of them damaged their liver, which can happen when you take like, you know, two, three, four thousand, five thousand of niacin. Yeah. You get terrible flushing, Mm. and, you know, you don't want to go on a Zoom call right before, you know, right after you take your niacin, (laughs) because you're going to be look red as a beet. Yes. Uh, So, uh, so anyway, uh, they they then did some research that where they were going to create a a non-flush niacin, not like you find in the health food store, because those non-flush niacins are worthless, but they were going to team it with a drug that suppresses the flush. And what they found with that drug is that it didn't really reduce cardiovascular disease. Mm. So Hazen says maybe that's because niacin, uh, in spite of its lowering of cholesterol, it also has this pro-inflammatory effect, and it explains why niacin doesn't really work. But there's some people who, who really stand up for niacin and say that, you know, there is potential for niacin. Yeah. You know, some of the little bit of um, contrarians in cardiovascular medicine say that niacin has some value, especially for people with high triglycerides. It lowers triglycerides yes. very well. Yep. Uh, but anyway, that, that study was, I think, called the AIM High study, uh, was the death knell for niacin. It just like, they said, if the drug companies couldn't develop a niacin that lowered cardiovascular disease, mm-hmm. you know, so what it also shows is that just lowering cholesterol and raising HDL isn't the end-all and be-all of cardiovascular. That's right. Right? So... People with normal cholesterols are having... So or when it, cholesterol or when it comes to NAD, yeah. you know, I take NAD, and, you know, I won't be dissuaded from taking uh, NAD. I'm not uh, going to not take my B-complex anymore. Yeah. Or my methyl action supplement anymore. Or my, uh, Here's a study. Yeah. Uh, this is fairly recent. Uh, it is from, well, it's, it's 2018. Nicotinamide riboside shows promise for reversing cardiovascular aging. Uh, It was shown to mimic caloric restriction, which is causing uh, autophagy. Right. It helps increase the sirtuins. Yeah, sirtuin Mm -hmm. pathway. And also in these patients, it lowered blood pressure by 10 points in in a small study. 24 lean and healthy men. uh, Blood pressure came down. Uh, they took 500 milligrams twice daily of nicotinamide riboside, which is what I take. Yeah. And their blood pressure came down. So, so that, I think, is a sign of relative safety. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, I'm going to keep my eyes open on this because yeah. 
uh, I think that this study will be followed up. But just like, you know, he made a big splash with the um, uh, TMAO. Yeah. And TMAO was all the rage for a while. And now it's sort of like, eh, it's, you know, it kind of depends. It's like, don't worry too much about TMAO. It didn't really stand the test of time. And I don't think this study is going to stand the test of time. No. And I, you know, I don't think it's ca it's cause for abandoning taking niacin. Uh, I think that there's, I don't know, you, you brought up a good point. Is like, is it, is it the fortification is it the of foods? Or the fortification? Or is it or the, the foods? Or is it the foods yes. that are fortified? Yes, 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 right. yes, yes. Because so it, they're really extrapolate. I mean, this yeah. is a real reach, in my well, opinion. It, I I appreciate the science there, and there's actually some mm -hmm. uh, nutrigenomics involved because they're looking at uh, uh, various SNPs genetically that generate these so-called harmful byproducts of niacin. And then they test the harmful byproducts of niacin, but it is a it's a train of causation yeah. that is uh, has to be demonstrated in vivo. In other yes, words, in the body. practically speaking, do people taking niacin experience uh, adverse cardiovascular outcomes? Right. Um, and they uh, simply found metabolites in plasma. Yeah, is all yeah. they really did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, Cleveland Clinic and what is the other, not John Hopkins, but the other one, the other big hospital? Mayo. Mayo Clinic. Yeah. Uh, some of these are quite, uh, I, can I use the word captured by pharma and the, the wheel that keeps turning on, you know, Hoping to run over, well, you know. I think there's uh, always lifestyle medicine. There's always room for a study that shows that fish oil is harmful, or that sure. uh, that niacin is harmful, yeah. or that vitamin D isn't cracked up to what it's what it's supposed to be. Uh, there is that a bit of a bias in that direction. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So there is that. So and Jim, so, but it's early. Alan, you know, it, whenever yeah. this happens, I kind of sit back and I say. Let me see what some of my very scholarly colleagues who are versed in molecular biology have to say about this. Yeah. And I, you know, even though this has been only been out for a few days, some fairly reasonable pushback has emerged to this study. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, you know, keep your powder dry. Uh, let's keep an open mind because I don't want to, you know, dismiss out of hand any study that suggests that a vitamin may be harmful because we sometimes have to revise our views. Like beta carotene, we thought was the bomb, right? And then it's maybe not yeah. such a good idea to give just one single uh, carotenoid. Maybe we should be giving the full spectrum of carotenoids yeah. together. Now I, that's all I prescribe now. I don't prescribe beta carotene anymore. Right, right. And uh, my advice would be stop eating fortified foods because they're <laughs> generally junk food. Right. Don't bother with that. Right, right. You know, eat your brown rice. Don't eat the rice and fortified with. Don't eat the bread fortified with. Cereal. The cereal, cereal. Or the sack of flour well, fortified with. Well, so like total cereal. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Right. Exactly. Um, but it's it's not the uh, the smattering of vitamins. Right. And there's such a tiny amount of niacin in those things. It's true. You know, and so there is a medical condition that happens when you have niacin deficiency. It's called pellagra. And pellagra used to be common in the United States before fortification. Fortification yeah. was undertaken when uh, typically you would be on a diet of, um, you know, uh, like uh, 
you know, grits, like grits, white yeah. refined grits uh-huh. and, por- you know, and pork back. Yeah. You know, like fatty pork, yeah. no vegetables, mm-hmm. and you get no niacin. Yeah. 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 So there's that. Fortification also happened as a result of uh, birth defects like spina bifida, the addition of folate. Right. Uh, that, that was a That's big been one. a great public health boom. Yeah, yeah. 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 Remember all the March of Dimes events and things like that. Then so, they, they even yeah. came up with a scare on folate, on folate. They said, oh, it could increase cancer. Yes. But then what they discovered was that these small amounts, net, net, don't increase cancer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't give massive amounts of folate to someone who has cancer right. uh, or is recovering from cancer mm-hmm. because of its, it sometimes maybe, it's, it's both a tumor suppressor and a tumor promoter yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a lot we have to learn about vitamins and supplementation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's I think he's an earnest guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's like he's uh, simply doing this at the bidding of uh, the makers of statin drugs. Although I'm pretty sure that most of his money does come from pharmaceutical sure. uh, underwriting. Yeah. As it was both of, most yeah. of these guys. Most of these guys. So they might walk in and say, find something wrong with this. <laughs> find something wrong with that. Right. And write about it. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. Alan and Jim, thank you for bringing that to our attention. Yeah. You know, or we can depend on our listeners for uh, challenging us. And, you know, I actually uh, enjoy the the challenge of doing a deep dive on some of these sure. studies which on the face seem alarming and you know I think yeah. it's a service to try and uh, shed some light on them interpret them in a way that is um, that's balanced balanced yeah, yeah. balance is the word and critical thinking yeah really More than so we generally pause to divide our podcast into two parts uh, so let me give us a preview of what we're going to tackle in part two what does it mean to have spasms in your sleep? Like screaming attacks and fighting me while sleeping? Wow. My husband is having this issue. Yeah, that's more than like a calf cramp, right? Yeah. That's yeah. okay. So we'll tackle that when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Muden. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, and we'll be answering more of your questions in part two.